0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more.
1: Hi, I'm Maria.
0: And I'm Mike. And we're Team team ready. Ready.
1: Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready.
0: It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com/teamready. Keep wave ahead. For four days only, it's the Sizzling Hot Summer Sale at JCPenney. Thursday through Sunday, shop select men's and women's tees in all new bright colors. Just $5 for her and $7.99 for him. Plus, pick up select home expressions bath towels, 2 for $7. All these deals and no coupon needed. Hurry in, but stay cool. These deals are sizzling. JCPenney. Offers valid 627 to $630. Exclusions apply. See store JCP.com for details.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the MD Fantasy Football Show. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, bringing you the Week 15 Recap Part 1 today. Of course, we have the Waiver Wire segment. We're going over the Thursday night, the Saturday games, the 1 o'clock games, all of the injury news as well. Before we get into that, I do have to quick talk about the fact that the Week 15 Preview Part 2 was recorded, was published, but apparently never got through the hosting software. There was an error on the host server that I use to typically put out my podcasts, and I was just found out Sunday morning actually that it had not uh, posted for you guys to see. What happens is I have a different screen that I look at, and from my end everything looked fine. But then I found out Sunday morning that the preview part two from a fan who asked was asking, you know, where where's part two at. Uh, when I realized that it never actually posted correctly... By that time, I figured it was too late. I wasn't going to go through it. just made sure the issue was taken care of Uh, for this week. I know the last two weeks for technical issues for the show has been kind of a problem, but I promise you all of the kinks have been worked out at this point, and we are back on the normal schedule for this week. We got the preview. We got the Week 15 recap, Part 1 tonight, Part 2 tomorrow, and then on Thursday and Friday, we'll have the Week 16 preview, Part 1 and Part 2. As we go into everyone's championship week, whether it is do or, do or die for you week 16, or if you play in that amateur hour league where it's actually the first round of your championship two-week rounds where you play in Week 17 as well, like the amateurs that you are, if you are, in fact, doing that. I do hope that you can continue to come back and listen to this show, though, even though I continue to call you amateurs for playing in Week 17. It's just my way of telling you, get in a better league next year, for sure. Uh, This will be the last week for the MD Fantasy Football Show on the normal schedule. For you guys who do play in Week 17, I am going to still do two podcasts next week, but I'm only going to do two uh will be one that will record on tuesday i'm hoping to have it uh, published but it is christmas day so it's more likely that i will have it out to you on wednesday and then the preview for week 17 i will have out to you uh on thursday and that'll be it for the md fantasy football show as we will take uh the Fantasy football will be done, we'll be in the playoffs, and then we'll go into March and everything like that, and I have a lot of announcements of what you can look forward to, what the MD Fantasy Show is going to be working on going into next year. Uh, this was the first season, it's been a great season, it's been a successful season for what my hopes and aspirations were for this show in the first year of doing it. You guys have been awesome, all of you fans out there who have downloaded each and every week uh, all the time, commented, had your start sick questions, all of it has been very grateful to me on, on my part that you have come to me with that, that you've listened to the show, that you have found this at least mildly entertaining. I have enjoyed doing it this year for the first year, uh, and there's a lot that I I have I have big ambitions for what I want this show to become, how I want people to be able to lean on this, to go to the MD fantasy football show for their primary information on fantasy football moving forward and getting all the information that they need. Uh, so I have a lot of, lot of ambition on what I want this show to be how I want it to be set up. What will be available to you going into next season? So I'm going to talk a lot about that tomorrow. Today I do have a jam packed show because there was a lot of games on Thursday, Saturday, and the one o'clock games. There's only four games from four o'clock Sunday night and Monday night on after that. So tomorrow's show there's not going to be as much content. So after I'm done the content tomorrow, I'm going to take a minute at the end uh, before I close the show out to go through. All the stuff that I fully expect and intend to have ready for you guys going into next year and also what the schedule for the next year is going to be, because I'm not going to wait until just to lo- July to do the next podcast after this. I do have some plans to do some podcast shows around Free Agency in March, a couple for the draft, stuff like that nature. So I'm going to go over what all that is going to contain and what you have to look forward to as far as the MD Fantasy Football Show and keeping up with it uh, and whatnot there. And I'm going to go over all of that tomorrow. I will post, of course, on Twitter and on Facebook at Show uh, the fact that I will be going over all of that Tomorrow, on what you have to look forward to and keep coming back to and know that MD Fantasy Football Show is here for you all throughout the year, uh, talking fantasy football and expectations and aspirations for your championships that we all want to be able to uh, be able to win. So uh, without further ado, let's get into this podcast today. Like I said, we got a lot to go over. I got to start with the Thursday game because apparently you guys didn't hear my week uh, week 15 Preview Part 2, so you can get to hear my Thursday night recap. So I'm going to lead off with that, get into this Saturday, the Sunday 1 o'clock games. Of course, any injury news, and I do have a Waiver Wire segment for you today as well. So let's start off with that Thursday night game. It was actually a great Thursday night game to just watch, not even if you had fantasy implications in that game, which a lot of you did between these two teams, Chargers and the Chiefs. There's a lot of fantasy players to go around in that game. But it was just a great game to watch as well. As Chargers pulled it out 29-28 to 28 At the very end of the game, the last play to be exact, I just want to give a lot of kudos there to Anthony Lynn for having the cojones to go ahead and go for two, go for the win, not tie it, not send the overtime, say, you know what, we're going to do or die, win or cry right here. Right now, go for the two-point conversion, and it worked out—not only worked out to the favor, but Mike Williams was left all by himself on the opposite side of the end zone from where the rest of the defense was. I cannot believe they blew a coverage in a pivotal moment like that in the game. Wide open, they score, they win the game. It was a great game to watch. Uh, there was a few great games at the end of this particular week uh, to be able to watch, but of course, your semifinal uh, matchups was all that you really cared about at the end of the day for fantasy football. Uh, now we're going to continue with the streamlining because I want to make sure if you're going to be in the championship week, obviously not all of these players are going to be relevant to your team. So I want to stick with the players that are actually relevant to your fantasy teams. Uh, starting off with Phillip Rivers on the Chargers. He was 26-38, 313 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Was looking scary there for a little while there, especially in the first half. It really took him a while to get going. And you were looking at it like, Ooh, am I going to get a dud game out of Phillip Rivers in a plus match against Kansas City Chiefs? That should be a shootout. And he was able to come through For you in the second half, in a big way, getting over 300 yards and two touchdowns to offset the two interceptions that he also had. Uh, Justin Jackson was 16 carries 58 yards and a touch. Austin Eckler is still as of now in the concussion protocol. Melvin Gordon was limited today. They do seem optimistic that he's going to be able to come back and play. But whether you're a Melvin Gordon owner or whatever the case may be, if you have Justin Jackson, make sure you hold on to Justin Jackson until you get a clarification on exactly what Melvin Gordon's status is going to be. Now, as far as pushing him out there, the Chargers are still technically in second place. Chiefs are still ahead of them in the division as of right now. They still have that divisional record tiebreaker. So because of that, they are still playing for the division. They still have a lot on the line these next two games to play for. So if Melvin Gordon is good to go, there is a very good chance that he will be out there. This is not a situation where they'll just hold him out until the playoffs. They got a lot on the line here Uh, because not only could they win the division, but winning the AFC West division right now could also mean uh, clinching home field advantage throughout the playoffs, which would be a Double double big win for the AFC West division winner between the Chargers and the Chiefs winds up being. So, definitely a lot to play for. So, if Melvin Gordon is good, he will play. So, that part you don't have to worry about it too much, but wait until you get some clarification. Uh, and even then, I would still hold on to Justin Jackson. Uh, until, until Sunday. If you play a week, if you do, if you're due a do dire situation week 16, uh, I mean, I'm waiting until Sunday to know what's going on with Melvin Gordon. And then if you need to make a move, uh, you can go ahead and drop Justin Jackson at that point and Melvin Gordon's gonna be activated. Uh, Mike Williams is the big-time receiver here. Keenan Allen got hurt in this game. That's another guy you're going to have to make sure you're following me on Twitter, at MDFFShow, to make sure you're getting all those player up-to-date notifications. You're going to see exactly what his hip injury, how severe it's going to be throughout the week. Is he going to be able to come back and play? There's no real clear indication as of right now, uh, but he wound up getting you zero points. Even though he did come back sporadically throughout this game, he gets zero points, it was an absolute heartbreaker for all of you who had Keenan Allen in this matchup. And, and quite frankly, as I'm saying this, realize that, you know, you probably didn't make it to the championship if you got zero points out of your wide receiver one, but maybe there's an off chance you did. Maybe you also had, you know, DeAndre Hopkins and Keenan Allen as a Quite a possibility, especially in 10-team leagues. And that was, would have been enough to bail you out. That could have been a possibility. So keep your eyes on it. If you're in the championship week and you had Keenan Allen still and you're able to survive all that, uh, keep your eye on at MDFF Show Twitter notifications for those player up to the eight up-to-date notifications uh, on the injury news there. But in his absence, and this is where it gets really interesting, Mike Williams and Tyrell Williams, if he is to miss time, all of a sudden, all of those targets that usually go to Keenan Allen suddenly free up, and it showed in a big way in this game. Mike Williams had nine targets. Tyrell Williams had 12 targets in this game. Mike Williams, seven catches, 76 yards, and two touchdowns on his nine targets, while Tyrell Williams had six catches for 71 yards and 12 targets on his 12 targets. Uh, If Keenan Allen is going to be out Next week, I think both Mike Williams and Tyrell Williams have value. I think Mike Williams has slightly more value. Only because he's more of a red zone target. Tyrell Williams is still. I mean, he's a big guy. He's 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 not like he's a lack of a red zone target, and he stretches the means. And that's that's not what I mean here. But he is more of the big play wide receiver still. At the end of the day, even though he did out target Mike Williams by three targets in this game, Mike Williams is the more effective red zone target that Philip Rivers will look to go to. But targets open up for both of these guys. I would like him for DFS. Uh, if you're even if you don't own Keenan Allen and you're looking for a wide receiver to pick up to be able to playing your Week 16 matchup, Mike Williams and Tyra Williams should be at the top of your list if they're available in your league. Now, I did do my waiver wire segment. Neither one of them are actually available in less than 50% of leagues, which I was very surprised by because I thought, at least I thought they would be uh, considering they haven't really done much to this point. But I guess a lot of people picked them up over the last few weeks, so they're not actually going to be on the waiver wire segment. But if they are available in your league, check your waiver wire because Mike Williams and Ty Williams are both guys that warrant pickups. If Kean Allen's going to be out for another week on the Chiefs side of the ball here, uh, Patrick Mahomes wasn't as good as you're hoping he would be, like like he has all year long. You depended on him to get to where you were, where you're at at this point in the playoffs. Hopefully, his subpar game compared to the rest of his game. Games this season. It was still, it was still a decent game. It's, it wasn't enough to make you lose the the matchup by any stretch of the means, but it might have been enough to keep you from having that big game that you needed, possibly. Uh but if you still were able to get past the next round, you have Patrick Mahomes here, 24 of 34, 243 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. Uh, Patrick Mahomes was so good, I expect him to have another one of his big games here. But the fact that 18 points was his low for the year, I think all says all you need to know about Patrick Mahomes. You're not worried about him, obviously, but just a little bit disappointing in one of the most important matchups of your year unless you made it to this week, which is championship week, which will be even more important than last week. Of course, that's that's my great logic right there. Uh Damian Williams here was the big conversation as far as the Chiefs go. 10 carries, 49 yards. Did get the two rushing touchdowns and was very good receiving the ball. Six catches, 74 yards on six targets in this game. That was really the big key where he made up for it. So over 100 yards from scrimmage with the two touchdowns. uh He played very well in this game. It was a little bit surprising. He wasn't as efficient. Even though he finished with a 4.9 average, he did get a 22-yard run on one of them. Outside of that, he was pretty inefficient when given the opportunity. And being that the Chiefs were leading this game for the most part until the fourth quarter... Uh, did not feel as though they could just pound the ball and wipe the clock out there with Damian Williams, but he was effective in the passing game. We do expect it to be the case. We will see what happens with Spencer where they are continuing with the story that it is just a tweak of the hamstring, which would mean he possibly could be back uh, this upcoming week. But again, at MDFF Show on Twitter for those player up-to-date notifications to get more information on that as the week progresses as well. Travis Kelsey, 7 catches, 61 yards on 9 targets. Tyreek Hill was really a big disappointment in this game and probably killed a lot of people's uh, semifinal matchups here. 4 catches, 46 yards on 7 targets. He was definitely hobbled a bit. We kind of expected him to be after he was hurt on Sunday. Coming back on a Thursday game, it's not easy to do. That heel was definitely an issue as far as... How fast he could open it up. I mean, he was still, he still looked like the fastest player on the field, and that's just how crazy, crazy athletic this guy is. But, It's something definitely to be concerned about. He didn't look as sharp, wasn't as active, had to keep coming out of the game, wasn't able to play his full allotment of snaps on top of it. Remember, Sammy Watkins, if he comes back at all, will not be until the postseason. Uh, Chris Conley, though, was not a factor, once again, in this week. He's the type of guy where he's either going to catch a touchdown or be a bust. Not something I'm trusting in my championship week, so I'm kind of looking elsewhere. I mean, if you have Tyreek Hill, you survived the championship week, you're going to have to continue playing him, but I am a little bit worried that he is a bit banged up at the at right now and could wind up kind of busting out for you as a result of that injury other than that though you're pretty much going to play your guys just keeping your eye on the Damian Williams and Spencer Ware for next week uh two Saturday games were pretty interesting in a lot of different ways here we had the Texans and the Jets that was the first Saturday game uh the the Jets played a much more competitive game than I was expecting them to. Now, this is the thing about the Texans, and they won. They they came out, they won. They're ten and four, so there's not too many things you can you can criticize them about right now other than the fact that they're just doing a really good job of playing not to lose at the moment which is the Patriot way which is where Bill O'Brien comes from nothing to be unexpected as far as that being the overall general philosophy of their team to adapt but it does lead to some issues like this where you play against lesser teams and they're able to be more competitive and hang around late in ball games more so than they should be able to and you don't just put teams away that's one of the side effects of happening and on the flip side you got to give Jets kudos for a definitely trying hard in this one, even though they have nothing left to play for at this point. Sam Darnold played a decent game here, actually. So you give them kudos for making this a competitive game at the end of the day uh, as well on their part. Look, Deshaun Watson probably had one of his best fantasy days that he's had in a while uh, since earlier on in this season. 22 of 28. Still didn't throw the ball a ton, but was super efficient with a high completion percentage. 294 yards. Two touchdowns in this game. That's something we've talked about a lot with Deshaun Watson, how he's only been throwing for like a touchdown pass a game. It's rare when he's been throwing two. So it was good to see him get two touchdown passes in this game. He needs to have more multiple touchdown games, especially if you're going to be riding him for another week. Next week, he did lead the team in rushing. I thought that was saying much in this matchup. Uh, He ran for 26 yards. Lamar Miller got hurt early. They tried to turn it over to Alfred Blue. He had nine carries for six yards in this game. Uh, It just never really looked good on the ground for the Houston Texans. The Jets played played run defense really well in this matchup, something they've been kind of hit or miss on for up the entire year. But the guy who did go off for you and probably won a lot of people their weeks this week was the guy I was saying I was worried about and told you to temper expectations due to the lack of volume to, of the passing game the Texans have been going through through. Uh, for the past few weeks, and that was DeAndre Hopkins, 10 catches, 170 yards, two touchdowns, had 11 targets total in the game. Uh, it wasn't just that he finally got the extra added volume that you've been And you've been used to seeing DeAndre Hopkins get 8 to 10 targets uh, most weeks, and that hadn't been happening on that level because the Texans just simply haven't been throwing the ball that much for that to be happening. But the other big thing for DeAndre Hopkins was that, Watson was looking for him down the field. It wasn't just five-yard passes. It wasn't only in the red zone. He hit him down the hill field. He hit him for a 40, beautiful 45-yard touchdown in this game as well to, to top it all off earlier on the game. It was a beautiful throw and catch. Uh, Hopkins did hurt his ankle at the end of the game. He is considered day-to-day at this point. The MRI came back. It showed nothing too overly serious, so I do think there's a good chance that DeAndre
0: jay hopkins will be available for you in week 16 remember he's been dealing with a
1: nagging foot injury all year long and has found a way to play if his ankle is not a high or mid ankle sprain or a high ankle sprain then i would suspect that he will be able to tough it out and play again in week 16 of course he's always a wide receiver one uh you know, of course, he goes off the week. I say to temper expectations, but it wasn't like I wasn't telling you not to play DeAndre Hopkins at the end of the day. Just keeping in mind that maybe he wasn't as on top of the level because of the volume, but he got the volume this week, and then this is what happens on top of that. On the Jets side of the ball, like you don't care about Sam Darnold, you don't care about, uh, you know, Jermaine Curse or Chris Ternon, or any of those guys. But there's two guys who you should care about. Elijah McGuire, who had 18 carries for 42 yards and a touchdown, and attacked on three catches for 29 yards on four targets in this game. I was a little bit banged up going into this week, but was able to play. Got a lot of the volume. Trenton Cannon had seven carries in this game, and only and three catches for 24 yards. So was, this was Elijah McGuire's backfield for the majority of the work. He was able to take advantage. Isaiah Carroll's on the IR. Look, this—I mean, this seems to happen every year with the Jets. The last couple of years, it's been Bilal Powell going into this, where all of a sudden, whoever their lead back for the year gets hurt, and their backup comes in, takes over all the t- all, takes over all the work. And because their backup, like I said, last two years Bilal Powell, this year Elijah McGuire can also can catch the ball along with running the ball pretty effectively. They wound up being fantasy flex superstars for you in your playoff runs. It's no different here, Elijah McGuire. If you didn't pick him up last week, even though I had him on my waiver wire segment, uh, make sure you pick him up. Mm-hmm. This week, because it's just a running back who gets that much work right now in the NFL. If you can play them in your flex position or... Or, even if you're loaded at the running back position, even if you have your flex and you're ready to go, just pick him up so your opponent cannot play him. At the That's what you have to do. you still got to play defense, so he's still worthy of you picking him up, even if you have no intention of playing Elijah Maguire. Uh, Robbie Anderson, I think, is somebody you need to pick up. He's scored three games in a row now. Uh, with Sam Donald in there, he's looking for, and with no Quincy Nuñwa, he is looking for Robbie Anderson more and more. He had seven catches, 96 yards, and a touchdown on 11 targets in this one. The guy who had the second most targets was Jermaine Curse, with only five, and he had two catches for nine yards. So it shows you how much more he's been looking for Robbie Anderson. He's been very effective in the red zone as of late as well. He is a big play wide receiver. I like him a lot in DFS. Uh, he's somebody to pay attention to as a boomer busts high-end wide receiver three right now. Uh, if you're looking for that flex play, if you're looking for that wide receiver three, you got some injuries. Tyler Boyd got hurt. We don't know if he's going to play, so that's, gonna, that's a guy who's been a wide receiver three for a lot of teams in those type of formats that are playing with three receivers right now. He is somebody who I would pay attention to and will be on the waiver wire segment as we talk about it uh later. The second Saturday night Saturday night game that we had here, we had the Browns and the Broncos, and this was another close one. The Browns pulled out at the very end, 17 to 16, uh It was going back and forth there for a while. I thought the Browns should win this game, but there was just a lot of times for both teams really where just offenses and defenses looked inconsistent, which led to kind of an ugly game at the end of the day. Look, on the Browns side, I don't think you're streaming Baker Mayfield at this point. But Nick Chubb, 20 carries, 100 yards, got back to his 20 carry mark after the last two weeks being kind of light in the load on uh, carries like he had been the previous weeks before that. This is the first week, though, since they traded away Carlos Hyde that Nick Chubb did not find the end zone. The first week he didn't score, but he still got you 100 yards, so he didn't definitely didn't lose your matchup for you at all. Maybe the only disappointing thing is that he didn't get involved at all in the passing game this particular week where he had been uh, tacking on 20 or 30 yards on a pretty consistent rate to go along with his rushing uh, ability here, but you'll still take the 100 yards at the end of the day and he's still been a uh, very high-end RB2, more more like, though, a, uh, a mid-level to low-level RB1 and continues to be so. Jarvis Landry suddenly came back down to earth. He had two big games all of a sudden this one. He still got targeted the most, but only three catches for 30 Thirty-seven yards, a little bit disappointing considering the Denver Broncos don't have Chris Harris right now in the slot. So you thought Jarvis Landry would be able to take advantage of the fact that they have their backups in. They're not the same Denver Broncos secondary right now, and that just did not take place. Antonio Callaway did get the touchdown, but I don't think you're going to be trusting Antonio Callaway if you're at this part. Uh, this point of the season in the championship game, if you're in 10-12 team leagues, which is predominantly who I make this podcast for, since that is the overwhelming majority of people in 10-12 and 12 team leagues. If you're in a 14-team league, 16-team league, yeah, I get it. You're going to be looking at Antonio Callaway, possibly as a wide receiver, 3-boomer, bus play, but uh, otherwise, you're not going to. And Since I don't really do podcasts intended for those audiences, uh, I don't think you're looking for Antonio Callaway. Uh, this week, even though he finally did score, David Njoku continues to be a disappointment. Three catches, thirty yards, five targets. I'm telling you, the offense that he is in just does not feature him the same way that he was being featured in the passing game uh, earlier on the season. He's being he's being pretty much called back to block uh, more and more each week. So. David Chukwu, not somebody who I'm going to be trusting going into next week as well. As far as Jarvis Landry goes, we'll we'll examine it when we go over the preview on Thursday and Friday for the Browns as to what to do with Jarvis Landry, what you can and cannot trust, uh, what you can expect. We'll go over all of that there, but definitely an uneasy feeling right now with Jarvis Landry feeling so hit or miss uh, at the moment. Uh, case Case Keenum, you're not going to be playing him on the Denver Broncos, but Philip Lindsey, a lot of people have leaned on Philip Lindsay to get him to this point in the playoffs, and he had his worst game of the year at the worst time that he could have possibly had it for you. 14 carries, 24 yards, uh, didn't only tacked on four catches for 20 yards in the passing game on top of it. Look, the Browns played the best run defense they have all year because they have been a team that most teams have been able to successfully run the football on pretty efficiently at that. And the Broncos were just never able to quite get it going in this one. They played much better run defense than I've seen them play all year on the Browns side of the ball, of course. Uh, no, I'm not worried if you were able to make it through this week, even with the disappointing performance out of Phillip Lindsay into next week. I'm not taking him out of your line lineups. I'm keeping him in there. He's still a very high end RB two. He's getting the ball more and more. Uh he's playing even more over Royce Freeman. Royce Freeman in this one only had four carries for seven yards. Wasn't involved in any other way. Uh just he's he's getting a lot more work than Royce Freeman as of late. It's no longer Quite the 55-45 split that it had been earlier on in the season. Uh Phil Blinsey's just been too good as of late. I don't expect him to suddenly go back to that in week sixteen. So Phil Blinsey's still somebody you can play. Tim Patrick, we're gonna talk about him a little bit on the waiver wire segment as far as wide receivers go uh for PPR leagues. Cortland Sutton, he could six targets. I mean it hasn't changed five to six targets. That's been the MO all year long for him when they trade away Demarius Thomas, when even when Emmanuel Sanders got sent to IR. His target load has just not changed and that has a lot to do with his quarterback. Uh, Deshaun Hamilton was the one who had the most targets for the team. He had 12 targets, seven catches, 46 yards, but he's nobody who I'm going to be riding home about either going into my championship week uh, to play all of a sudden either there. So our next game, our our first game that we have on our 1 o'clock board for Sunday, we got the Packers, we have the Chicago Bears. up being a tight game at the end there, but the Packers kind of gave it away. That pick at the end in the red zone sealed it for, and it ended Aaron Rodgers' long uh, no-interceptions streak. Look, the sad part is here about Aaron Rodgers that fantasy-wise, he had his second-worst fantasy game of the year, but it was actually one of his best passing days as far as passing yards go in a while. In about six weeks, he had 274 yards. And it's really sad to think about Aaron Rodgers' 274 yards and have that being his best passing outing as far as yards go in a long time. Now what killed you is that he didn't have any passing touchdowns in this game, which is why it wound up being his second worst performance of the year as far as fantasy points go. He did tackle on 25 rushing yards to try to help supplement. He did get a two-point conversion if you play in a league that awards uh, two points for converting those as well. He did get one of those when he threw it to Devontae Adams. Earlier on, but uh, just really disappointing. It was Jamal Williams who wound up getting a touchdown in this game. He had 12 carries, 55 yards. As Aaron Jones got hurt early on, looks like it's sprained MR, uh, sprained MCL. So he's going to be done for the rest of this season. The same MCL injury that he had last year as well. So that's something you're going to want to keep your eye on going into next year because he's going to be guy. He's, he's a guy who's going to get a lot of hype going into next season without a doubt. But Keep in mind, and of course of course, I'll remind you between here and the 2019 season, but keep in mind that this is the second time in a row Aaron Jones has gotten hurt with that same MCL uh, knee issue. So something to keep an eye on that he may be injury prone in that area uh, for next season when you're looking to draft him in whatever round that winds up being probably a high one uh, at this point. Devontae Adams came through for you. 8 catches, 119 yards. 13 targets. I was I'm watching I was watching this Packers in Chicago game, and I was thinking to myself the really sad part about all this and why Aaron Rodgers, I think, has struggled so much this year is that the only receiver you can depend to actually catch the ball when Aaron Rodgers throws it in their vicinity is Devontae Adams. You can't depend on Randall Cobb to hold on to the ball, who also wound up getting hurt again in this game. You can't depend on Marquez Valdez, Scantling to hold on to the ball, St. Brown to hold on to the ball and make a play on it. Devontae Adams is the only guy where you know Rodgers throws it in this area there's a good shot. He will be able to actually make the play. And because he's his only guy you've been able to depend on, uh, f- Rodgers has been able to depend on, that's a big reason why Rodgers had a disappointing season, along with a m- number litany of other factors. But that's been a sad part. However, if you had Devontae Adams, because if you've, if you've had him, you've been loving it because you're getting force-fed the ball constantly. Another 13 targets here. And you know that if Aaron Rodgers throws it in the area, he has an opportunity to make the play because he has butted Him and Mike Thomas, to me, have butted into superstar wide receivers in this league this year. Mike Thomas may be at the elite top end of that, but Devontae Adams getting into Uh, that elite conversation maybe towards the lower end of it. But both of those guys are two guys in my book that have made major steps up into the superstar wide receivers of the NFL this season. Uh, The one thing I would be worried about if you have Devontae Adams, though, is that apparently Aaron Rodgers said he tweaked his groin uh, on the Hail Mary pass in the first half of this game. Now, clearly, he finished the rest of this game and played all the way through it. Uh, But I am a little bit concerned that this could be an excuse for the Packers. To shut down Aaron Rodgers. Look, they got nothing to play for uh for the rest of the season right now. Aaron Rodgers turned 35. They could look at it and say there's no reason to get you possibly killed. They got a backup, you know, you got the JV squad in the offensive line right now for the Green Bay Packers. You got three starters missing. It showed in that Chicago game how much pass rush they were able to get. It was a definitely a big problem. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Packers wound up using that as an excuse to bench Aaron Rodgers if that happens. I, I'm going to feel so bad for those Devontae Adams owners out there uh, and be glad that I'm not one of them because you're going to be seeing a situation where if Aaron Rodgers does not play, not only is Devontae Adams not a wide receiver one going into your championship week, but you would have to cross your fingers and toes and pray to all the fantasy gods out there to let him have a wide receiver two day. That is how big of a drop he will take if Aaron Rodgers does not play. Because that is how bad the backup quarterback situation is with Deshaun Kaiser on the Green Bay Packers right now, anyway. He may get targeted a bunch. Kaiser may not even bother throwing the ball to anybody else besides Devontae Adams. That is a possibility. But you are going to have to sit there and hope to God that Adams just breaks one to even get wide receiver two status, quite frankly, and he would not be a wide receiver one in your championship week. So, something you're definitely going to be, have to be at show on Twitter for those player up-to-date notifications. I'm looking to see, does Aaron Rodgers actually tough it out? He says he wants to lead the team for the last two weeks. This is being the player and the competitor that he is, but I would really not be surprised if the Packers decide it's not worth it to bench him for the last couple of weeks, save him get him right for next year he's had an injury riddled season where he's been banged up and banged around and tweaked and everything else so i wouldn't be surprised and if that's the case i would really hurt your Devontae adams prospect so if you have adams you're going to want to watch that all week long jamal williams you know He had 12 carries, 55 yards, a touchdown in this one, four catches for 42 yards. We're going to talk about him a little bit more in the waiver wire segment today as well. Marquez Valdez-Scantling continues to be a disappointment from where we were hoping he would be earlier in the season. Only had two targets in this game. Jimmy Graham, who is the one who uh, the ball bounced off of. And the throw was a little bit behind him, but the ball did bounce off his left shoulder pad, tipped into the air. That's and In the red zone, that's what caused the interception uh, to be had. He only had three catches, 32 yards on five targets in this game. Uh, just kind of hit or miss depending on the volume that he gets, but he also becomes pretty much a wasteland of a tight end if Aaron Rodgers doesn't play next week either. Uh, so he, he would be somebody who would automatically have to be benched if uh, Rodgers did not play while he had been on the lower cusp of the like high-end tight end twos, tight end ones that you may still have been playing in your lineup On the Bears side of the ball here, Trubisky, if you went with Trubisky, there's a decent chance he did. He didn't get you that big fantasy day that he had gotten you a couple times this season. Uh, this week, but he was serviceable and definitely didn't lose you the matchup. He was, you know, 20 of 28, 235 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. The big key was that he only rushed for 16 yards in this game. And that's usually what you were leaning on to try to get him those bigger fantasy days. But it was still a decent enough serviceable day if you did play Trubisky. Like I said, he wasn't the reason you lost if you did lose by playing him. Jordan Howard had 19 carries for 60 yards and a touch, so he did manage to hold on to his RB2 status because of the touchdown that he was able to get. I wasn't involved in the passing game again, but that's because Tariq Cohen. That while Tariq Cohen only had five carries for 21 yards in this game, did have five catches for 31 yards and a touchdown. And he's been getting utilized more and more in the red zone as of late, and it's kind of given him a floor that he didn't used to have. Because when they get third and goal and they're looking to throw the ball, they've been bringing Tariq Cohen in more and more. I mean, he's quick as hell. It's hard for a linebacker or a safety to be able to stick him, especially flaring out in the backfield when you're at the goal line. So they've been able to utilize him more so in that way. And as a result, it's kind of given that floor, like I said, that he he didn't really have earlier on the season. So he's definitely a guy who, if I'm in the championship week and I have him on my team, will definitely be playing him as a flex play with a lot of upside uh, going into next week as well. As far as the wide receivers go for the Bears, Allen Robinson and Trey Burton both had seven targets in this game. Allen Robinson, three catches, 54 yards, no touchdowns. Trey Burton actually had four catches and 36 yards and a touch in this one. I'm still not trusting Trey Burton. Now, you may not have any other better tight end options that could possibly be the case, but I have to think if you had Trey Burton on your team that you have been scouring for tight end opportunities throughout the season. So I uh, just because he scored here, I'm not suddenly going to trust Trey Burton going into my championship week next week. I would still try to play somebody else if I at all could because he's been really just disappointing for too much of the year to think that you can trust him in your most pivotal game of the year. Uh, for our next game here, we got the Hampton Bay Buccaneers and we got the Baltimore Ravens. This was a game that went kind of how you expected in some senses and others in other instances went completely awry. Uh, Jameis Winston didn't have a great game here. 13 and 25, 157 yards, no touchdowns, one interception, didn't run for any yards. The, that is, that kind of line is something you expect. You did not expect Jameis Winston to have a good game against the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore and in bad weather. So that was to be expected. What wasn't to be expected was Peyton Barber finding success in this game. 19 carries, 85 yards, and a touchdown. Look, do not beat yourself up if you didn't play Peyton Barber. And if you want to blame me to make yourself feel better, you can, because I told you not to play Peyton Barber. You're playing against the number one run defense in the NFL. It's Peyton Barber who's, you know, just a guy, as far as a running back goes. Maybe he's not as terrible as, as much as I tried to shit on him throughout the year, but he's still not good, All right, and he hasn't been that awesome. Lately, he had been a little bit more productive. He'd been getting a little bit more work in the red zone, and that had been kind of giving him some fantasy value as far as a flex play goes, but... Don't beat yourself up if you had Peyton Barber on your bench in this game. It was just completely surprising. Uh, The other surprise, but a pleasant surprise, was Mike Evans. Four catches, 121 yards on nine targets. He didn't score in this game. But after not putting up over 100 yards for at least a month now and being kind of inconsistently involved within the passing attack and going up against a very bad matchup, You probably had to play Mike Evans. You probably did play Mike Evans. So for him to come out and get you 121 yards was really nice to see him come through for you guys who had to play him in Week 15 in your playoff matchups. You know, Chris Godwin, was three targets, zero catches. Adam Humphreys, six targets, four catches, 23 yards. Cameron Bray, only two targets in this game. It was a bad weather game in Baltimore
0: against the Baltimore defense
1: Like I said, as far as uh, outside of Peyton Barber and outside of Mike Evans, everything else on Tampa Bay went the way you'd expect it to, which is not much offensive production at the end of the day. I expect them to have a better week next week if you we were able to survive it. I do think Adam Humphreys, Chris Godwin continue to be wide receiver three plays. I do believe Cameron Bright is a low-end tight end one play going into next week. So we'll talk about that in the preview matchup. But uh, the analysis on them doesn't really change as far as that goes, just because of this game. On the Ravens side of the ball, Lamar Jackson. If you've been playing Lamar Jackson because he runs, he ran again well in this one. He had 95 rushing yards. Didn't get you the rushing touchdown you're probably hoping you would get and especially with the success that he was having uh, running the football. And he had a couple of big ones in this one as well. Passing the ball, was still pretty on the pathetic side, even in a plus match against Tampa Bay. Now, it was bad weather, but still Tampa Bay. It was 14-23, 131 yards, only one passing touchdown. I know with Lamar Jackson, if you're playing him at your quarterback position, you're the passing production that you get out of him is really the icing on top. It's the rushing yards. It's pretty much you're playing a running back, an RB1 who passes the ball as your quarterback. That's basically what you're going with. So that's what gets you your serviceable game. And then whatever he can give you passing wise is just, you know, cherry on the top. I get that part, but just something you want to see him improve upon, especially since it looks like he's going to be the starting quarterback for the rest of the year for this team, not just this year, but now moving forward as they did draft him in the first round to be the future franchise guy. Gus Edwards got back on track here. Now, my analysis wasn't wrong. I just said I didn't want to trust Gus Edwards because I wasn't sure how much work Kenneth Dixon was going to steal from him. Now, Gus Edwards wound up having 19 carries for 104 yards and a touchdown, but Kenneth Dixon still had 11 carries in this game. So there was a significant amount of work that went to Kenneth Dixon, but I didn't expect them to rush for a total of 49 times as a team in this game. Uh, Lamar Jackson ran 18 times, Edwards 19, Kenneth Dixon 11, and then Chris Moore got a carry for minus five yards. But 49 times the Baltimore Ravens ran the football in this game. I wasn't expecting them to quite get that much volume as a team. So that was the big difference there. That was why Gus Edwards still was able to get 19 carries, have a really good game uh, against Tampa Bay in a plus matchup. Kenneth Dixon still had a good amount of work, but wasn't as productive as he was a week ago when he got those touchdown runs on top of it. So, you know, one of those things you just take with it. Uh, If you played Gus Edwards and ignored me, great for you. If you did it, I wouldn't feel bad about it, quite frankly, because at the end of the day, he still did lose quite a bit of work. It just there's so much work to go around in this particular matchup. Receivers go. You're not going to play any of the receivers of the Ravens. I mean, Snead had an okay game, five catches, 58 yards on six targets. But other than that, nobody else really had any kind of a day that you would ride home about and and you're not playing any of the Ravens wide receivers with Lamar Jackson under center in your fantasy playoffs anyway. Our next game up here, and then we'll get into the waiver wire segment before we finish up the rest of the uh, Week 15 Recap Part 1, was the Colts and the Cowboys... Uh, I can't believe the Cowboys were shut out in this game, especially from a Colts defense. I know they're in Indianapolis, but the Cowboys have been so hot as of late, I figured Elliott should have some success. And he was successful for the most part. 18 carries, 87 yards, 4.8 yards a carry, 7 catches, 41 yards. So he he still had over 100 yards from scrimmage like he has pretty much every single week with the amount of touches he's been getting. The difference was in this game, he didn't wind up scoring. He did have a fumble on top of it as well. So a little bit disappointing in those senses, but still got you a good game at the end of the day. Dak Prescott was really the reason why the Cowboys struggled as a team in this game. Is I This is a game where I thought Prescott would be stream-worthy. I thought they'd be able to throw the ball pretty effectively, run the ball pretty effectively. I thought it was a game where they'd be able to go back and forth with the Colts to some degree. Uh, And none of that came to fruition, and he was a terrible play. And if you did stream him, he probably lost your week. 24 of 39, 206 yards, zero touchdowns, one interception. I do think that the Cowboys will get back on track going into next week. Uh, This was one of those just one of those games in the NFL it just happens sometimes uh, but something I'm not gonna ride home about but does give you the idea that if they're not throwing the ball well because Prescott does not just take off and run even though he has the capability of doing so it can make can set you up for the floor just falling out from under him uh, when it comes to fantasy football. As you can imagine, because he didn't throw the ball well, none of the receivers really had a great game either. Amari Cooper, who I think is the only receiver who you'd actually be playing at this point in your season in the fantasy playoffs, uh, only had seven targets, four catches, 32 yards. He didn't have a touchdown in this one. Granny's coming off of a big week. You weren't going to expect that kind of a week. But from to only have four catches and 32 yards in a game that they were trailing every step of the way, clearly, because they got shut out. Uh, it was really quite disappointing. And it wasn't, while the Colts' defense has played pretty well at times throughout this season, it wasn't a matchup that should have completely shut them out. So, definitely disappointing to see. Uh, hopefully, it didn't cost you your week, but there's definitely probably a lot of matchups out there where it did. On the Colts' side of the ball, Andrew Luck wasn't great. 16-27, to 27, 192 yards, no touchdowns, didn't have a pick, only rushed for 20 yards on top of it. So if you played Andrew Luck, depending on him, you knew this was a tough matchup against the Dallas Cowboys, but he didn't come through for you either. It was Marlon Mack was the name of the day, and I couldn't believe it because the Cowboys have been really good against the run, especially as of late. But Marlon Mack, 27 carries, 139 yards, two touchdowns. After he has essentially disappeared, Since those first two weeks when he came back off of his injury and really hasn't been much of a factor as far as fantasy wise goes uh, in a while, has had a couple games where he scored here and there, but it hasn't really had a game where he's gone over 100 yards or exploded. And this didn't think this would be the matchup where we'd see him do it, but man did he come through in a big way, looking like a guy who wants to make a case to be the starting running back for the Colts next year. I think that's what I mean. I really think that was a big part of his motivation going into this season going into this game, excuse me, for next season. Uh, But just a big game out of Marlon Mack in this one. He's definitely a RB2, very high-end flex play if you have Marlon Mack playing in your championship week. T.Y. Hilton, five catches, 85 yards on eight targets. Look, uh, is that a huge game? Definitely a decent game. Definitely didn't lose you the week. And the amazing thing about T.Y. Hilton is he's barely practiced the last two weeks and yet goes out there in the game and looks as sharp and as explosive as ever, even though you know he's in pain. You know he's banged up. Uh, You continue to play T.Y. Hilton as a wide receiver, too, with huge upside Going into next week as well. And Eric Ebron was a very disappointing game. Look, three targets, one catch, eight yards, but it also goes hand in hand with Andrew Luck not playing very well. Typically speaking, he's going to have a better game than that. Andrew Luck's going to find him in the red zone more than that. He took a big lick in this game, but he was okay. Uh, Eric Ebron is still a top five tight end play if you have him and are in the championship week going into this week uh, as well. All right, so before we get into the rest of the games, the rest of the one o'clock games from week 15, let's go ahead and hit that quick waiver wire segment. It's not a very typically long one. as I make sure you got players who could actually impact championship teams, but do have some key names for you that we can go over here. Steals on the wire. All right, for the first pot player on the waiver wire list, I start off with a guy that I don't know how much you're going to trust playing him, but there is a situation in which he could wind up getting all of the work due to injury. Uh, and that would be Alfred Blue. He's only owned 4% of leagues. So he is widely available for most of you out there. And there's a couple of reasons why I have him on there. Look, Alfred Blue isn't a typically you know, prolific player, an exciting player. He's not going to be a guy you're going to sit there and be like, ooh, i got to plug him in my championship starting lineup and feel like I've got win, an ace in the hole, a diamond in the rough who's going to take me over the promised land. But, a couple things. He could get a lot of the work because Lamar Miller, there's a decent chance he does not play this week. They have talked about possibly activating Dante Foreman, but we'll see if that really winds up being the case. They've been talking about activating Devontae Foreman for a while, and that has not been the case because he hasn't quite been healthy enough to do so. So, there is a chance once Alfred Blue could just be the featured guy. Now... That he's still not a great player. It doesn't mean he's going to be uh, overly efficient and anything like that, but you play the matchup, and we'll talk about that on Thursday and Friday. But the other big thing of why you want to pick him up is to block your opponent because you- – even if maybe you don't feel totally sold on playing Alfred Blue, or if you have a lot of options at running back and I flex already, you don't need to play Alfred Blue, I would still rather pick him up and block my opponent from being able to pick up a running back who may get all of the work in an NFL game. We know what can happen from that. We saw Elijah McGuire be uh definitely a factor for teams uh fantasy last week because he got a lot of the work. So That's what I would look at with Alfred Blue here. Like I said, he is very widely available as well. Next player we have is Tim Patrick. He's also only 4% owned, so he's widely available out there. Now, he's a very specific focus for me. He's a wide receiver 3 PPR league only. In standard leagues, I'm not looking at Tim Patrick at all. But this is two weeks in a row where he's got heavily targeted did come away with a bunch of catches uh, once again in this week. I had more previous week, but he definitely seems to have that rapport with Case Keenum where he, he seems to just be that trustworthy guy for Keenum to dump it down to. He's also a bigger bodied receiver, so he can be a factor in the red zone as well. He's already out targeted Cortland Sutton two weeks in a row since taking on more of a prominent role since Emmanuel Sanders has been out. Deshaun Hamilton did have more targets last week, but Deshaun Hamilton I don't think is nearly as talented as Tim Patrick is and doesn't doesn't have the bigger playability of a Tim Patrick. So I do think he's a legitimate wide receiver three in a PPR league. If you're looking to, say, replace a Tyler Boyd or a player of that sorts, maybe somebody's been disappointing you as of late, that is somebody who I would take a look at. Uh, you know, Williams, obviously for the Packers, Aaron Jones got hurt early on in the game. He's going to be done. He's on IR for the rest of the year. So Williams is going to be in a situation where he's going to get all of the work Um you know, there's not Ty Montgomery to take away like there was earlier on in the season. Those first two games to take to take away some of the work. He's going to be involved in passing downs, rushing the ball. Now, what his his expectations as far as the ceiling could be will be definitely hindered on whether Aaron Rodgers is going to play. But that goes for every Green Bay Packer involved coming up in this week, whether he plays or not. Uh, if he doesn't play, it could just be added volume for Jamal Williams there, but maybe not as efficient maybe not as many opportunities to score however you want to take it but he's definitely somebody who you should be picking up off your waiver wire this week whether it's to play or to block your opponent as well Robbie Anderson, I talked about him a little bit, how I think he's somebody you gotta pay attention to at this point. Scored the last three weeks in a row, has been getting a lot of volume, uh, especially with Sam Darnold back now last few weeks. So he has been getting the ball to him more and more. Does seem that a rapport has finally been built between those two. He's only owned an 18% of leagues, so he's available in a lot of leagues out there to you as well. Like he's a guy who can have a big play capability and put up wide receiver one numbers for you because he can get you that big play. He's the number one targeted guy that they have in the red zone right now. So I do like Robbie Anderson quite a bit for a wave wire pickup as well. Same thing goes for Dante Pettis owning 37% of the league. So not as widely available as those other guys, but still, still available in a lot of leagues out there. He has, he didn't score this past week and that's the, you know, that's like the first time in the last three weeks he hasn't scored, but he still got a lot of work in that game. Got 85 yards. We'll probably talk about that game, I believe uh, in a little bit here, actually. Um, but you know, he, he's somebody who's been featured since he's taken over that starting job of Pierre Garcon in that prominent role. Uh, you know, Marquise Goodwin was nowhere to be found in that game. So, you know, Dante Pettis seems to be the guy with Nick Mullins in there going into next week. He's somebody who I take a look at too. And Elijah McGuire... Only owning 33% of leagues. That means he's still widely available out there as well. I can't really believe it, but you saw what he was able to do when he's able to get the majority of the work. It just, he's going to put up numbers. He has a safe floor. He's got a good chance to score because he catches the ball and he has some breakaway ability. He can have a big play. He's uh, just, he's somebody, like I said, he's, he falls in that category of if you have a lot of. Uh, weapons already for running back in flex position, at least pick him up so your opponent can't play him because he is a top-end flex RB2 type of play with the amount of work that he's getting right now with the Jets, so I would definitely have him on your team if nothing else to block your opponent as well. That's it for my waiver wire segment. There's other guys who have some value who are less than 50% owned, but those are the guys I do think have a legitimate shot of impacting your fantasy championship matchup whether it's you picking him up, whether it's your opponent possibly getting their hands on him, whatever the case may be but those are guys i think will impact uh championship teams this week or at least have the opportunity to do so so that's why i picked out those names for the waiver wire segment and left the other ones uh off the list so now we wrap that up let's go ahead and get into our next game we have the titans and the giants another shoot another shutout game on the other side here titans won 17 to nothing wasn't a great fantasy day except for derrick henry all right Look, if if you're going to the championship week and you have Derrick Henry, I think you got to play him. Uh, (laughs) I know that's that's hashtag analysis, that's hashtag going out on a limb, whatever exaggeration you want to make for me saying that, I don't care. But look... He had that huge game against Jacksonville, but he had done nothing to that point. So it still wasn't a situation where all of a sudden, because he had that big game, you were going to guarantee to play him this week against the New York Giants. There was no guarantee of that. You're like, look, he sucked until that game. It could have been just an aberration. Well, now it's two weeks in a row. Comes back in this game, has 33 carries in this game, 170 yards, two touchdowns. On Look, the weather sucked. The Giants' run defense sucks. Uh, Marcus Mariota sucked in this game. He, only hit, he was tall for 20 for only 80. Eight yards and zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. So all of that kind of played in Derrick Henry's favor. But the thing you take away from it is the fact that his 33 carries compared to Deion Lewis's seven. Derrick Henry, they're they're closing out. Look, the Titans are still in the playoff race. They have a lot in line. They're not just throwing away these games. They're not just seeing what they have in Derrick Henry for next year to see if he's going to be the featured guy. They are giving him this work in do-or-die situations for them to be able to make the playoffs this year, and they are having no issues giving him all the work in the world right now. Uh, they're going to continue to do so going into next week. Derrick Henry's definitely taking the lead as far as that backfield is concerned. and He had 170 yards, like I said, two touchdowns on the game game uh, you gotta play him you gotta play him as a flex players your RB2 whatever the case may be maybe you don't have RB1 expectations like he's put up the last two weeks but you he has to crack your starting lineup after these past two weeks there's no way if you're in the championship game that you can leave him out right now with the amount of volume they're giving him and then he the fact that he's been performing on top of it just means to me that there's no way they don't give him a high amount of volume next week as well so you gotta play Derrick Henry Corey Davis should have been a matchup you were looking forward to. It. The weather, like I said, did play a big part of it. Marcus Mariota sucked, but he had three catches, 33 yards on six targets. They didn't have to throw the ball a lot in this game. They won 17 to nothing. They were in control the whole time. All of that is true, uh, but it just goes to show that Corey Davis continues to be just not trustworthy to be in your fantasy lineups either. On the Giants' side of the ball, Saquon Barkley. I know Saquon Barkley lost a lot of people uh, matchups last week. He only had 14 carries for 31 yards. Uh, he only had four catches for 20 25 yards on top of it, no touchdowns, receiving or rushing. So just Barkley, who is a big reason why he got you to this point, was probably a big reason why he lost a lot of people the game. Now, if you were able to survive, the Saquon Barkley had a good team built around him, hopefully he'll be fine. Of course, he's an RB1 going into next week as well. There's no issues there, but just really disappointing to see a player of that caliber, a player who's on that many playoff teams, have a week like that when you're depending on him to get you to the promised land. Other than that, not much else to go over. Evan Ingram was good in this one. 8 catches, 75 yards on 12 targets. You knew Eli was going to look for him a lot with Odell Beckham out. I would be really surprised if Odell Beckham plays again this year. There's, there's no point in bringing him back. The Giants aren't playing for anything at this point other than pride. Uh, they're just He's guaranteed his contract already. It just wouldn't make sense for Odell Beckham to come back and play it all this year. Get healthy, get right. If that continues to be the case, Evan Ingram's still a tight end one then. Sterling Shepard will have some upside, I think, next week. I know he wasn't able to take advantage in this game, but passing the ball in general for both teams was just a headache for them to be able to do so. Uh, I'm not too worried about it. Sterling Shepard, I still think, might have some flex wide receiver three appeal next week. Although, if you're going in the championship weeks, you probably have better options to depend upon. But Evan Ingram, I do think, is a tight end one uh, with Odell Beckham out, and I would think continues to be out. All right, we got the Dolphins and the Vikings game here. A lot to go over. Frank Gore... Hurt his foot. Looks like it's not going to be serious with the MRI coming out today, but something to keep your eye on at MDFF Show on Twitter for those notifications, uh, for those player news updates. <laughs> just when you thought that Frank Gore getting hurt, maybe, just maybe, would mean Kenyon Drake would actually take over and get a lot of the work, he still didn't. He still didn't. One carry, six yards. Three receptions, twenty-eight yards. Kalen Bellage comes in and gets twelve carries for 123 yards on top of a touchdown. And in the receiving didn't do much in the receiving game. There's one catch. I, 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 I've been shitting with Adam Gase all year long. I am convinced that Kenny and Drake did something off the field behind the scenes to piss off Adam Gase, him and Devontae Parker, because for whatever reason, Adam Gase looks at Parker, he looks at Kenyon Drake, he definitely must see that those are the two most talented players he has on his offense on the team, and looks at them and goes... I will never use you the way I'm supposed to. Ever, ever, ever. You only way will get utilized is if my hand is forced, and I have to use you. And then they'll have good games. Devontae Parker had one of his biggest games of the year when the Dolphins no longer had any receivers left in the fucking depth chart. Kenny and Drake gets utilized on a lateral play, gets utilized when they have no other choice and they need somebody to actually break a play who actually has some speed on the team. Frank Gore gets hurt, knocked out of this game. You're sitting there like, all right, Kenny and Drake will finally maybe get fed today. He has one carry, <clears throat> one carry for six yards, while Cam Velasquez was one to have twelve carries in this game. I mean, it's it's an absolute nightmare if you have Kenny, not just you have Kenny and Drake. Screw all that, Adam Gase. Is a moron and I can't stand it because the Miami Dolphins are seven and seven right now and there's no way he gets fired because they're seven and seven. Because they're actually still technically in this AFC shit show of a wild card race right now. I mean it's just it's asinine on every sense of the word, on every level it's I, I I, I, seriously, at a point, I just, I lose, I lose the ability to even come up with adjectives to describe Adam Gase in a negative way, because that is just how outstandingly ridiculous this is, that Kenyon Drake would still not get work with Frank Gore out, and comes out later on, after the game, and says that it doesn't even have anything to do with his shoulder injury, as to why he didn't get carries. I don't, nothing. I got nothing for you. I don't know. Kalen Blasier, you pick up... I don't know. You're not going to play Kalen Bellager Championship Week, so I'm not, that's why I didn't have him on the waiver wire segment. But, I, like, I I got nothing. I got nothing for you. I don't know what to tell you when it comes to Adam Gase and Kenyon Drake. I don't know why an uber talented player like that has to pretty much get on his knees and beg to be played in the football game. Got, got nothing for you. Receiving wise, who cares? You're not playing any of the Dolphins wide receivers. So, on the Vikings side of the ball, however. Now, I can't imagine you're on a team that actually made it to the championship round if you had Dalvin Cook, but I will say this. If you made it to the semifinals and you had Dalvin Cook and you played him, he probably didn't just get you to the championship game. 19 carries, 136 yards, 2 touchdowns. On top of that, Latavius Murray actually had 15 carries. He only had 4 less carries for 68 yards. He also had a touchdown. Cook got involved, not really in the past game. One catch, 27 yards, 2 targets, that was it. You still don't see him getting more involved there, but... A week after firing John DeFio, which I was very happy about, if you listened to last week's recap, you already know that. And what we what we figured from him getting fired, what was going what were the Vikings going to do this week? They were going to run the football. What happens when you actually commit to the run? Oh, Dalvin Cook's really fucking good. That's what happens. He's explosive. He can make plays. He breaks big ones for you. He had 26 yards in this game. He was dashing the Dolphins left and right. That's why he had 19 carries for 136 yards and two touchdowns. Back to his RB1 status that he was last year when he was getting featured under the Pat Shermer offense. Back when they had a terrible offensive line last year. Terrible offensive line this year. But all of a sudden, they could block and may open up all these running lanes. Why? Because they actually committed to the running game. They didn't run it out of shotgun every freaking time like they were with John. The football. when they actually did run the football, it had to be a shotgun zone read on the inside. No, they lined up under center, they had different types of runs, and they took it to the Dolphins and dominated this game. They're up 21 to nothing in the first quarter. They dominated completely in this game. They let their defense do the work, their offense controlled the ball. This is the formula for the Minnesota Vikings. And I'm telling you right now, even though this doesn't have anything fantasy relevancy to do, I'm telling you right now, the Minnesota Vikings are headed on the right path to being the team to be in the NFC. They're not gonna win the division, they're too far. They're not going to get the divisional round. I should say they're too far out of it. They're not going to get home field, but they are a team that could go into New Orleans, that could go into the Rams, and win that game the way they're constituted and playing right now. They are trending in that direction. That is a team I am not going to want to see. And When they start running the football more and Kirk Cousins can actually play action pass off of that more and be effective that way, you're going to see a much different Kirk Cousins than you've seen the past few weeks and really all season with John DeFilippio as well. That's how bad John DeFopio has been. Now, on the flip side of that, if you have Stephon Diggs, if you have Adam Thielen, you weren't really overly thrilled with the production that you got. Now, look, it's not going to be that run dominant most of the time out of the Minnesota Vikings. They're going to commit to running the football more, yes. Cook will be better, yes. But if you have Stephon Diggs, if you have Adam Thielen, you're still going to play them next week in your championship round if they didn't lose the semifinal for you because that's quite possible. Adam Thielen only had two catches for 19 yards. Uh, Diggs was able to get you the touchdown, four catches, 49 yards on seven targets, was clearly the number one wide receiver in this game, uh, especially without Xavier Howard. You knew there was a chance that, that could happen. Uh, Kirk Cousins overall wasn't that overly efficient, especially not great for fantasy production. 14-21, 215 yards, two touchdowns, had the to pick. Uh, so you weren't really loving that aspect of it either, but Maybe you're not playing Kirk Cousins next week. Maybe you're looking for a different option, a quarterback. But I'm still going to play Stephon Diggs. I'm still going to play Adam Thielen. And now Dalvin Cook might be an RB1 for you if you're able to make that far uh, with Dalvin Cook under your wing as well. The next game, we got the Redskins and Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm not going to waste any time in this game. Adrian Peterson, 19 carries, 51 yards. Can be a volume flex play maybe next week. Letter Fournette, 11 carries, 46 yards. Leonard Fournette has to go on your bench. They purposely limited Leonard Fournette in this game and how much they utilize him. It looks like they're going to do the same thing. He's going to play next week. He might even play week 17, but it does seem they want to limit his touches and just get him healthy and get him right and get into next year. They got nothing else to play for. They just want him to be fine going into next season. They're already on the next season. The Redskins, because they won this game, are technically still in a playoff hunt. Uh, That's why I think AP, given the volume, could still be a flex play if he's able to wiggle free. not going to love it. I'm going to think you have better options. I'm going to tell you to play other options if you have the ability to do so, but Leonard Fournette actually has to go on your bench. Uh, There are going to be too many teams who are in the championship round who have Leonard Fournette because of the year that he's had with the injuries and everything. But if you are one of those few teams that happens to have him and are in the championship game, I I would bench him if you have the ability to do so. I would play Elijah McGuire over him this week. I would play Jamal Williams over him this week if Aaron Rodgers plays. Just to give you some idea, they are purposely limiting his snap count right now to make sure he's healthy going into next season. The Raiders and the Bengals. Uh, Raiders' side of the ball, I don't see how you're in the championship and you're playing any Oakland Raider that's not named Jared Cook at this point. Two catches, 23 yards, five targets. You're not playing Doug Margaret, and if you made it this far, Derek Carr, Jory Nelson, Jalen Richard. you're not playing any of those guys anyway. Jared Cook is the only one. He's still a top 10 tight end. I, would, Even though in this game he didn't have a great game, I still would continue to play him. If he made a pass into the championship round, I would play him again this upcoming week. He's the only one of the Raiders I would play. On the Bengals' side of the ball... It's Joe Mixon nobody else because 27 carries, 129 yards, two touchdowns. Joe Mixon has the ability to be an RB1. He has been more of an RB2 on a consistent level uh, this year for the most part. We knew the Bengals' offensive line was going to have some issues, and that's kind of why that was the case. But Tyler Boyd, four catches, 38 yards, a touchdown on five targets. That was earlier on the game. He gets knocked out of this game with a knee injury. He keeps downplaying it. He keeps seeming to think that he's going to be able to play next week. I don't buy it. I think that knee injury is going to be significant enough where he's not going to play next week, which is why I say for the Bengals, I think the only person with fantasy relevance going into your championship weeks is Joe Mixon. That is it. Uh, our next game is I'm streaming through these games because the rest of these games are kind of uh, pretty straightforward on who you're, we're even talking about next game here. We have the Cardinals. We have the Falcons, uh, who cares about Josh Rosen, got banged up in this one. Mike Glennon came in. You're not playing the quarterback anyway. David Johnson had a touchdown early, looked good. It's like, all right, playing against Atlanta, following a matchup you can take advantage of. It looks like they're actually going to get you involved, especially in the passing attack the way you need to. He had 11 carries, 33 yards with a rushing touch. He also had three catches for 68 yards. All of that came in the first quarter. He barely did anything else the rest of the game. I mean, with David Johnson, look, I don't know how many options you have. He had a decent enough game where if you had him going in your semifinal game, he wasn't the reason you lost if you did lose. So there's a decent chance you're going to the championship week with him as your RB1. That is quite the possibility. Here's what I would be concerned about, though. With David Johnson, you are hoping to God that he scores a touchdown because if he doesn't score you a touchdown, he's getting you a single-digit point game. He's getting you a dud of a game at the end of the day. That is what it's come down to. He has to score in order to give you rb two numbers. And prior to this week, he hadn't scored in a while. So I just don't know how much you're going to trust David Johnson next week. I believe they play the Rams. Uh, the Rams are going to be looking to get right. That could very easily be another blowout where he doesn't get to play much in the fourth quarter as a result. like He didn't get to play much in the fourth quarter in this game either as they turned the ball over to Chase, Chase Edmonds because there's just no reason to get David Johnson killed at this point. So I, I might toy with benching David Johnson. The, depending upon what options you have available to you, of course. But that's something that would not be out of the question, and I'm curious to see what kind of star-sick questions I have involving David Johnson this week. Larry Fitzgerald, 7 catches, 80 yards, 8 targets. He continues to be a guy who I think has value in PPR leagues only, uh, not really in standard leagues. He's too much of a touchdown or a bust in standard leagues, but in PPR leagues because of the volume that he's been getting as of late, he does have a solid floor that you can latch onto, but I don't really love his matchup against the Rams next week uh, either. On the Falcons' side of the ball, here's something I want you to keep in mind. Look, Matt Ryan, you're going to continue to play him. Didn't have a huge game in this one, but was solid 22, 36, 231 yards, two touchdowns. But if you have Matt Ryan, you're going to continue to play Matt Ryan next week. Tevin Coleman is really what I want to talk about in this game. He had a huge week. 11 carries, 145 yards, a touchdown. Uh, Ido Smith had 9 carries in this one. He winds up getting hurt, knocked out of the game, then and, and he's already put on the IR. So there's officially no more running backs to take away touches from Tevin Coleman. So for the first time, and even though we thought this was going to happen when Devontae Freeman got hurt, but now they don't have any more running backs that are worthy of taking away touches from Tevin Coleman next week. So, for the first time, we should see Tevin Coleman be unhindered as far as his workload. But this is what I want you to pay attention to. He had a huge game this week, but he still only had 11 carries. Still only had 11 carries. Still only 11 full touches because he didn't get a catch in this game either. He had one target. That was it. He had no catches. Uh, while I expect him to be a little bit more involved in the passing game with Ito Smith out of the, out of the works because he'll be in more now on third down work as well. But... Um, 11 carries. 11 carries. So he's not suddenly somebody who had been pretty much dead to you on your bench and all of a sudden popped off a huge game against a bad run defense in the Arizona Cardinals. He's still a guy who did not touch the ball as much as he should have. Steve Sarkeesian still did not get the... The workload that should be getting given to the running backs in this Atlanta Falcons offense, like he should. He still didn't give him that amount of workload. He got lucky because Tevin Coleman was breaking big runs left and right. He had a 65 yarder. He broke a 42 yarder in this game that went for the score. He could have had another 45 yarder that got called back on a penalty. He could have had two touchdowns in this game. He could have had almost 200 rushing yards. And that would have been on 12 carries. So, the touches are still not there, so I'm not suddenly going to trust Tevin Coleman again next week. He could still easily have the bottom fall out from under him uh, because Steve Sarkeesian still refuses to actually play him and give him the ball the way he should. Now, with Ido Smith out, the odds of him actually getting the uses that he should go way up because, like I said, there's nobody worthy to take away any kind of significant work from him anymore next week. But still only had 11 carries in this game to, uh, Ito Smith was knocked out uh, about the third quarter in this game as well. So he still didn't have a ton of work after that in a game that they were leading by a bunch, should have been running the clock out, and still didn't. So that is where I'm saying I have some fears if you think you can suddenly trust Kevin Coleman going into next week. is Julio has six catches, 82 yards, touchdown, eight targets, good to go. Calvin Ridley only had five catches for 42 yards and seven targets. They didn't have to throw the ball on over amount of time. Snoo three catches, 30 yards on six targets. They just, they didn't have to throw the ball out. They dominated this game, let them right. I expect to be a little bit different next week. Uh But outside of Julio, I don't know if I'm trusting anybody full-heartedly. I'm still playing Matt Ryan, of course. Tevin Coleman, it's going to depend on what you have available uh, to you. Just keep in mind, the volume still technically was not there. He just had a couple of great runs. Uh, The Lions and the Bills. This is another game I'm not going to waste too much of my time. Kenny Dolladay was great. Seven catches, 146 yards on eight targets against all odds. Getting blanketed by Tridavious White. Uh, Matthew Stafford throwing the ball, who's been terrible this year and has a back injury on top of it, and still wasn't particularly great in this game 22 of 29 for 208 yards and a touchdown. Uh, nothing else I care about. Josh Allen on the Bills. He did rush for a touchdown, but only 16 rushing yards. Thirteen to twenty six, two hundred four yards, a passing touchdown, so he still has mediocre passing numbers. You're not trusting anybody else. Robert Foster had a big game. He had four catches, 108 yards, and a touchdown, five targets. But Robert Foster is not gonna he's he's not the boomer bust that you're gonna be playing in a championship week. DFS, wanna take a shot, contrarian play. Yeah, he has that capability. He's been in that role. Maybe he booms for you, but the because he had a boom game this week, I wouldn't expect it next week for sure. Uh, but this game, look, Kenny Galladay Maybe you contemplate playing him next week after seeing him finally get back to being the featured wide receiver like he should be with no Marvin Jones and no Golden Tate anymore like there was earlier on this season. Uh, and have and being that this was in Buffalo, have some hope that he could continue to do this again next week if you wanted to play him as your flex player, wide receiver three, whatever the case may be. Outside of that, nobody else on this team is worth a damn. Marcus Murphy got hurt in this game. LeSean McCoy and Chris Ivory weren't even active for the Buffalo Bills. They had to bring in Keith Ford, who was the fullback to run in this game. So uh, none of those things are something that I would take away as a... as a possibility moving forward as anybody you need to pick up for next week with those injuries Kenny Galladay of this game is the only one who I'm looking at moving forward and I'm not streaming Josh Allen I would not do that to myself I would not hold my fantasy team hostage like that in my championship week to play Josh Allen in that particular week so nothing to really else to take out of this game either all right, that is going to wrap up the Week 15 Recap Part 1. I told you we had a lot to get through. We did a good job there. I think I covered all the bases as far as what's going to be relevant for you going into your championship week's What analysis you're looking for moving forward. Remember, tomorrow it will be the Week 15 Recap Part 2. We'll go over the two 4 o'clock games, Sunday night game, the Monday night game that's going on right now as I record this. Also, we'll be devoting most of or a lot of the episode to what you can expect in the upcoming off-season schedule and what you can expect from the MD Fantasy Football Show next year. Remember, if you want to listen to this episode or any other, www.mdfantasyfootball.podbean.com. Available to you on iTunes, Simplecast, Radio Public, anywhere you go for your podcasts. The MD Fantasy Football Show is available to you. We'll have Star sit segments on Thursday and Friday at MDFF Show on twitter and on facebook get those questions to me i'll answer all questions and grab a handful and put them on the show as i always do and of course at mdff show on twitter make sure you up you get the little alerts little bell up there for those player injury news update notifications i'm your host dan Mater, and i'm going to see you guys tomorrow
0: Now is the time to find your color, your paint, and everything to get started during red, white, and blue savings at the Home Depot. Transforming your room is easier than ever. With the best deals online and in-store, you can confidently select your color and the tools for your next paint project. Get a colorful new experience and the right paint for the right price. Save $10 on one gallon and $40 off three and five gallons for a limited time only at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Limit 25 gallons per household. See store for details.
1: Get enhanced security for your Wi Fi network with Xfinity
0: XFi. If it's connected, it's protected. That's simple, easy, awesome.
1: Go online, call 1 800 Xfinity, or visit today. Restrictions apply.